Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Horrible Things Podcast. This is a true crime and disaster podcast where we basically just talk about everything that completely sucks in life. (laughs) I'm your host, Emma Sexton, and today I am joined by... Caitlin, um, well, regular here. I'm back and I'm feeling uh, worse than ever, maybe. (laughs) I was going to say better than ever is bold. Yeah, because not only are we in a quarantine right now, but I'm using my quarantine time to talk about terrible things, horrible things, if you will. So I'm excited. At least we're having social interaction right now. That's really (laughs) what we need something's always bringing me back you know so it can't be all that bad (laughs) um and i just want to give everybody a disclaimer out there i did this for the last episode that we put out but just letting you guys know obviously we on this podcast highly support social distancing isolate yourself stop the spread of COVID 19 guys let's flatten the curve so because of that um caitlin (laughs) is talking to me over zoom today uh so if the audio gets a little funky that's why just letting you guys know i'm actually sitting on emma's lap right now and i'm we're using the same microphone we're kind of taking turns (laughs) and we're touching each other's face while we do that exactly yes oh god dude i have seen so many i can't tell what's more annoying the people that aren't social distancing and like post about and they're like let's do a party i don't care or the people who are constantly getting mad at people for like going on a walk by themselves just like being outside i'm like listen (laughs) well i've seen middle i've actually seen more people posting about being out than people complaining about like walks and stuff like i haven't seen too many of those so there's some common sense knowledge out there that i appreciate yeah i just did you see all the stuff about like all the spring break people who went to like Palm Beach oh and just par- like we're having parties where everyone was just like on top of each other? And I'm like, listen, <laughs> if you it's insane seeing one of your friends during isolation, like, OK, whatever. I'm not going to yell at you for it. But mm-hmm. being at a party or having being with like a group of people, come on, like is your spring break that important that you're willing to risk all these people's lives? It's just very irritating to me. But at the same time, I'm not like, don't step foot outside your home. Did you see Vanessa Hudgens video where she was basically upset that Corona got Coachella canceled and she went on her live? Did you see that? No. What happened? Um, Oh my gosh, Emma. I can't (laughs) believe you didn't see that. It went viral. So basically Vanessa Hudgens, because you know, she's like the big, Coachella like hippie now she went on her Instagram live and she was basically like listen I know people are dying and I respect corona but it's just I respect corona anyways if you'd like to continue um where was I oh so basically she was like I respect the virus oh shoot shoot what'd she say she basically said I respect the virus but you know you're basically like messing up my (laughs) like she was basically just like saying that it, oh she said it was like fake or something i don't know she was whatever Conspiracy it was something ridiculous that's just it's very funny to me because i've seen that also where i think i talked about it last week but there was that whole thing going around instagram that was saying if you're a student athlete wear red to signify the like how your season's been taken oh. away from you and I, I was just thinking to myself, I understand <laughs> being upset that your season got taken away. My sister is a swimmer and her season got taken away and she was upset about it. Totally understand. At the same time, are we protesting a virus <laughs> that I feel like we can all be against 
this as as a community do we need to separate out student athletes and wear red because a lot of people had a lot more taken away from them i mean i talked to ben last week about how i saw a great i i've seen some great organizations helping people but there's so many people who've lost their jobs and like and can't pay their electricity can't pay their rent it Mm -hmm. just makes me think that there are um far worse things than losing your season or us losing our freshman year like it it could be much much worse and did you see that um trend that was also going around where kids were licking like um toilet seats in like the rails on or not a rail a pole in like a subway uh in a subway station wait what a subway station <laughs> no like in a the thing in the su- Turnstile. Turnstile. Is that what you're thinking of? No, like a like the train subway train. Like in oh, the train, like the, the actual train. I li- <laughs> I'm telling you, this quarantine is rotting my brain. Every second I'm in here, I lose parts of the English language. But there's like a challenge going around. You know how they have the challenge where it's like uh, go into grocery stores and like lick the ice cream. I didn't hear about that challenge. I have clearly oh, been a- off my game in terms of viral trends. Dude, social media is all I have now, now that I can't leave <laughs> my home. But yeah, they're licking this stuff like, I won't get corona, but so dumb because it's like, it's not just about you. It's also about the people you could spread it to. And just licking toilet seats in general for clout, it's I was going to say, me. I Maybe- feel that that's like a, that's a punishment in itself. Maybe it's better if I am in the house and don't interact with these people is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's that's fairly disgusting. I think it's just common courtesy to not lick things in public. I feel like you've learned that when you're two years old. You know what I mean? Gross. Mm-hmm. I haven't been on social media very much because it just makes me uh, think about this whole situation even more than I'm already thinking about it. Honestly, mm-hmm. I have literally watched... I would say 25 hours of the show called Boys Over Flowers and I just started this other <laughs> show called The Airs and I I'm too obsessed and it's very bad for my health. I should not those, be watching it, but those both addicting. sound like um what what I'm going to say like Hallmark like Hallmark originals. <laughs> They're K-dramas actually. You've been watching K... Oh my gosh, Emma. Brother, I have been watching so much K-drama. It is bad. Bad. I can't... It's I addicting. Can't that stuff. I think it's because my parents are really into K-dramas and stuff, and so I just can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I, sh- I know that there's... Well, the funny thing is, the one that I just started watching today, I turned it on, and it takes place in our hometown, and so it's really weird to oh. watch because it's like... Uh, it's, a Korean, it's like Korean students studying abroad in the U.S. And then all of a sudden huh. I see like the place I used to work as a setting for it. And I'm just That's sitting insane. there like, huh, this is this is very strange. So then when they try to cheat the space and do the different angles, I'm I'm just thinking to myself, I caught you. That is not where that is. <laughs> and it's kind of taking me out of the show, but I'm enjoying it at the same time. <laughs> the one tidbit of knowledge of K-dramas that I have is something my parents told me where they said, Every, in basically every K drama and like Chinese drama, the white the like people playing Americans or white people are s- the worst actors. It's they so true. The, the worst <laughs> white actors ever when they hire people to play European. It is so Americans. true. 
I was thinking that today. I was just thinking because they had this whole scene where obviously these people who are the lead actors are in America for this. So (laughs) they have these friends who are uh, supposed to be just regular Americans. And Mm -hmm. literally the worst, the worst actors I've ever seen in my (laughs) life. There's this one white guy who's supposed to be a surfer dude. And obviously we live in the place where this is supposed to take place. We know those surfer guys. It would not. It would have been better for them to pull a random surfer off the street <laughs> than to hire this man. And he was like pretending to snort bean powder and stuff. And I oh was just God. sitting there thinking, like, this is absolutely ridiculous. The worst actors. I those shows sound absolutely ridiculous. I love I mean, them. I love them so much. Thing, there's some kind of appeal to them it's, apparently because it is pure entertainment. I feel like I've been avoiding it because I know I'd get obsessed. That's the only reason why I'm like trying to not. It's as if a Wattpad fan fiction has come to life in a TV show. That is genuinely what it is. <laughs> I feel like that's the good way to put it, actually. Plus, also, all the people in it are so beautiful that you can just sit there and be like, oh, my gosh, they're all so pretty. Like every, every single human that is in a K-drama is like a model. And it's ridiculous. Do you like BTS, Emma? Yes, I do. I can't, I can't understand it. I can't get into it. <laughs> just their music in general? Just, and yeah, K- K-pop, K-drama, I just can't. I wouldn't say I I'm into know. K-pop, like, as a whole, because I don't listen to that much K-pop. I don't, like, I think if you do listen to it, good on you. I wish I could get more into it. I just haven't listened to that much of it. But I love BTS because I watched them, like, I started watching them on jimmy i saw them on like jimmy fallon james gordon there was a period of time where i felt like they were on every single talk show and i tried to oh, watch yeah. late night stuff because i like it and i loved their like personalities as a group mm-hmm. and also i'm very interested in idol culture on this episode of horrible things we have interesting things <laughs> interesting um, things let's talk about idol idols culture. Well, no but i, was I under- say, if like- you can't get into it like that's your own thing but i i don't like how people like judge people because they like k-dramas or k-pop whatever kind of irritates me because i'm like why can't we appreciate what other cultures are making i think the fandoms the fandoms tainted it for me have you noticed a lot of the well you're not on social media anymore but that could be why you, look, you see the k k-pop uh stands and stuff in the replies just posting fan cams which are just like edits of the k-pop people dancing to music or whatever and it's i think it's just infiltrated like my brain now and it's like i can't see it anymore because i already see it everywhere else it is crazy how much their fans have propelled their career forward mm-hmm. but i feel for sure. like the fact that i'm really not on social media very much makes it so that i'm it's easier for me to digest it because i don't hear anything about bts or like <laughs> k-pop outside of what i look up or find on youtube like i i have no idea about the fan culture or anything so that could be why it's not tainted for me whatsoever guys emma says she's not on social media but little do you know she actually owns her own bts fandom Twitter i account. am born to slay on youtube thought you should know yeah that's her so she's you know she's gonna claim she doesn't even know what twitter is but we all know she's the one replying with the videos of them dancing yeah, I feel like if I went on Twitter, a lot of things would be ruined for me. <laughs> but that's Welcome just to life. social media, Emma. Well, I, I do social... I'm much better on social media now than I was like two years ago because there was a point in time where I just was like, I can't handle any more social media, period. I'm done with it. I deleted all my social medias and then I felt like I never knew what was happening. 
and I didn't like that. So now I keep up on like Instagram. I feel though like maybe it's a good thing. Like I like in the long term, I feel like we all know that being away from social media is better for every aspect of your life. You're Just- like the only person I have notifications on for on Twitter because your tweets are freaking hilarious. Guys, follow um, Caitlin on Twitter. She's hilarious. I my Twitter is like if you were able to materialize my mental breakdowns, my daily <laughs> mental breakdowns, and just kind of like visually see what I'm going through. Um, today, I posted photos of um, screenshots of like the roads in Mario Kart. And my caption was like, I've never seen LA this empty. This is insane. <laughs> like, oh my the, gosh. Like, it's not funny. <laughs> I'm literally. It is funny though. I'm always just going through something and I feel like all my followers on Twitter need to know about it, but like not directly just through the insane attempts at being funny that I make. So that's, you know, what is, isn't that what social media is for though? Just expressing your mental breakdowns (laughs) to everyone. (laughs) There you go. That's more of like a, that's definitely a Twitter and a spam account thing. Instagram is where you get that. Your main account is where you try to hide that. You try to hide your mental breakdowns. So in conclusion to our ranty part of the podcast, um, Caitlin is hilarious on Twitter and I love BTS. And that's all you need to know. And social media could be toxic, but it could also be good. There you go. We can't we can't Um, be out here saying social media is bad when we're both slightly addicted to it. And that's the end of the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Good to see you guys. I'm going to fade up the episode of Interesting (laughs) Things. No, but I actually the case we are covering is really interesting. And guys, fun story. Caitlin's actually the one who introduced me to this case. I had not known about it before. Weirdly, I knew about a different case that has the fetish we are going to talk about. Really? Which I thought was this case, but this is a totally different one. Yeah. And uh, I'm very excited to talk about it because Caitlin knows a lot about it. And you're very passionate about this case. This case? I wouldn't say passionate. I would say <laughs> very intri- I'm very intrigued by like fetish killings and stuff. Like it just kind of freaks me out, but in a way where it's like, what? Because in my head, I like to get real creative and be like, what's the weirdest way like someone could die? Do you know what I'm saying? And I like thinking of that, that stuff up. So when I actually find out about one that actually happened, it's like, oh, interesting. Terrifying. As, as I already know this case, um, uh what i'm here for is emma will say facts to me and i will robotically say give give a few um oh i didn't know that every now and then and say (laughs) wow that's interesting who knew knew? so that's my input for today i'm gonna pretend like i've never heard it before i also want to give another disclaimer right here this case does touch on topics that are uh sexual in nature so I just got to say it right now. Maybe not the podcast to listen to with your mom. Um, <laughs> all my wonderful church friends who listen to this, Kelsey, Mandy, thank you guys so much. <laughs> Love you. Um, this might not be the case <laughs> to base your opinion of me off of, but you know, we're we're just gonna get into it because honestly, like I I also was really interested in this. So we're talking mm-hmm. about a case that obviously it's has to do with a fetish killing. And so as I was researching this case, I also started researching some of the the psychological background of fetishes because it's just very, like, interesting to me, at least. The thought that someone could have something imprinted on them when they're a child that makes them act a certain way when they're an adult, obviously interesting. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. But let's get right into it. 
Alrighty. So the case we're talking about is the man, his name is Luigi Longhi, and he is known as the shampoo killer. So Luigi Longhi was an Italian man who lived in Switzerland with his mother for most of his life. As a young boy, when he was only about nine years old, he began to develop what to develop what is known as trichophilia or hair fetishism. So um, people just giving you a little background, just in case you don't know um, what a fetish is, is basically something that someone needs to be able to. How, how should I put this gently? Caitlin? Um, really, really get off. Really, <laughs> um, to really wet their pickle. Yeah. Okay. That's really? enough. <laughs> Cutting sure it off I right there. More? I have a list. I can no, put my nope, notes. Nope. 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 I'm prepared. <laughs> so basically what she said, it's something very specific. Um, psychological research shown has shown that lots of fetishes actually are a result of early conditioning in childhood or ad- adolescence. And uh, because of something that happened in someone's childhood, the consequence is this strong, like, emotional or physical experience that happens later in your life. Um, Fetishes also can be influenced by rejection by the opposite sex or by, like, when you're a kid, if you get aroused by something that is strange, like a roller coaster, and then you grow up and want to marry roller coasters. I say that because I saw a video somewhere of someone who had a sexual attraction to roller coasters, which is oh, a strange fetish, TLC. but <laughs> it probably roots to somewhere in that person's childhood. Um, another thing that I read an article on was the fact that fetishes are actually widely varied in the population. So people tend to think that there's a few, like there's a few common fetishes that people think of that could be um group sex or the idea that men are typically attracted to uh like lesbian sex is another mm-hmm. thing that people think is a common fetish uh but actually there isn't really a super strong normal curve like a distribution curve curve for fetishes because uh it's actually very unlikely that you'll find someone who has find a group of people that all have similar fetishes they're widely varied so because that it makes it hard to say scientifically like there is a certain percentage of the population that has very strange fetishes because it's just they're all so varied there's so many levels like not only varieties of fetishes but also like levels like different extremes do you know what i'm saying like for sure some of them are so normal that they just kind of go under the radar yes it's also um i think it's interesting because i also read that fetishes are usually held by men and they can appear in people as young as like when you're four years old is when they can start which is crazy and i also read something that was interesting that the difference typically between men and women uh when it comes to fetishes is that women will have a particular fetish but not want it to be acted out Mm -hmm. as often and men will have a fetish and hope that it becomes a reality which is kind of a differing thing kind of interesting I, I do, have you on the podcast. Have you gone over the the shoe killer, shoe fetish killer yet? No, I have not. Jerry Brudos, right? I, yeah. So oof, that was. I think they are also covered that in the show Mindhunter, which I love. But that killer, like, that's an example of like a fetish that started really young because his fetish with women's shoes started when he was like a little kid. Because I think he yeah. found a shoe or something like that, and he became obsessed with like collecting shoes and wearing them. So strange. So yeah, the fetish that we're, I mean, not to fetish shame anyone, it 
I guess it's fine as long as it doesn't become violent. I'm, I'm, there's some, no, there's some great fetishes. I mean, <laughs> we're, I say we're the our voices sound very condescending because I feel like right now we're focusing on the ones that lead to violent tendencies. Yes. So, fatal know that if we sound condescending toward fetishes or and to anyone in the fetish community, I don't know if that's a real thing, but we're just, <laughs> we're specifically talking about fetishes that lead to violence, which obviously are not okay. And another thing I wanted to give a quick def- definition of is trichophilia. So that's um, hair fetishism. Wikipedia defined it for me as arousal that may occur from seeing or touching hair, which my search history right now is downright terrifying. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> but actually, hair fetishism is fairly common in terms of fetishes. Uh, it's pr- it's often used as an example for when people are talking about a psychological fetish. But mm. we're going to be talking about how Luigi's fetish started. So when he was nine, he stole his mother's wig and she thought it was strange when he began to wash it over and over again. Literally nine oh, years old. I didn't know. He stole his mom's this is wig. A- this is a genuine, oh, I didn't know that. So. <laughs> Ooh. He starts to wash it over and over again. Then when he's 15, he attacks a hairdresser with a knife in her shop, threatening her and saying that he wants to wash her hair. He also committed many burglaries. <laughs> yeah, many burglaries of wig shops, and he would steal wigs and hair products like pretty much all through his adolescence. Eventually, he was committed to a mental institution in Switzerland for his sexual obsession with women's hair. And at the institution, he actually gagged a worker and forcefully washed her hair and may have even Mm. cut it, but he denied that in court. And he was also, in his youth, even before this uh, case, which we're going to be talking about today, came up, he was tried for two sexual assault cases, which had to do with hair fetishism. Around around what year was this again? When all this is happening? Yeah. This is like in the early 70s. Okay. I wasn't sure how long ago this was, but yeah, I just, there's something that irks me the wrong way like that really irks me about um like not just a fetish with hair but like washing it you know there's something weird about like touching wet hair to me something about that that really freaks me out it's not just like dry hair like on some head it's like the fact that he wants to like clean it you have an anti-hair fetish i i oh you know what really gets me off emma no hair <laughs> no hair at all actually that is a part of hair fetishism though people with shaved heads Hmm, then what's the anti? Then I guess that technically wouldn't be anti. Well, hair fetishism, you know, this isn't the time or place to talk about this. <laughs> Let's continue. So, Shall we? By 1977, because he was Italian, he was um, released from the mental institution and then he was deported from Switzerland because he was Italian. And in 1979, he was living in, I hope I don't pronounce this wrong, and I'm very sorry if I do, Danish listeners, but he moved to <laughs> Padborg, Den- Denmark, which is where the crime takes place that we're going to be talking about today, which is fun because I don't think we've done a crime that takes place in Denmark yet. So woo woo, we've done Italy, but never Denmark. So Luigi Longhi was in his late 20s and he figured out a smarter way to use his fetish. So he would pay women, uh, including sex workers, to come to his apartment just so that he could wash their hair. And the place that he lived in was a large house. So in Denmark, they... Ow, I just hit my elbow on the table. In Denmark, they have these houses, which are kind of like dorms because they're these large houses and then they have different rooms in them, but they all share a staircase. So this particular one had about six different bedroom apartments in it. 
and he would pay women to come to his apartment and he would just wash their hair literally that is all he paid for because he claimed even at his trial that he was still virgin so very strange but mm. by the time he met uh Heike Fright, he had paid about 10 women to wash their hair so he was not an amateur at this uh Heiko is not He's Danish pro. he is a pro at washing hair <laughs> I don't understand why he didn't just go to cosmetology school. Like, I, my friend. No, listening know, to the story, to I was do that. like, like, sir, you can get paid for your fetish. Like, just become a hairdresser, dude. Like, you, he's paying girls to wash their hair. People will pay you to do that, sir. Especially if, well, at the same time, though, wouldn't you be a little concerned if your hairdresser was having a very intense reaction to washing <laughs> your hair? Like, wouldn't you be a little scared? <laughs> I'm sure there's a business for that somewhere. Some kind of market for that. You just got to keep an open mind. There's a business for everything these days. We have to find him the people whose fetish is getting their hair washed. And then they could have, a, you know, a nice little... I guarantee there's a Facebook group for that. Yeah, people who loved getting their hair washed. <laughs> so I'm telling you that if, if he had just thought it through a little longer. If our boy Luigi just would have thought through his map master plan he could have found a socially acceptable way maybe not he would have found his people that's all i'm saying like less than a moral of the story thus far find your people They're and also work smart not hard <laughs> jo join a facebook group you know that's it's that's that's the bottom line is download facebook it's sponsored by mark zuckerberg <laughs> anyway <laughs> so he had paid about 10 women by the time he met heika uh so I'm hoping I'm pronouncing her name right. Also, I looked up how to pronounce it, but I could be totally wrong because Google Translate kind of sounds weird sometimes. But um, Heiko was not Danish. She was actually from Germany and she was traveling. And since uh, Padbor was less than a mile from the German border, she had pretty much just gotten there. And this is around the end of May 1981. She was hitchhiking and looking for someone who could take her to Copenhagen when she met Luigi Longhi. She was at a cafe, and so was he, and he was a truck driver for many years. So that's how their conversation kind of got started as they were beginning to talk. She was looking for a ride. He was a truck driver. And he's about 28, 29 years old, and she's only 19 at this time. I say 28, 29 because I had two different sources, and one told me he was 29, and one told me he was 28, so I just put both there. Just letting you guys know, don't come for me about his age. So she's only 19 years old. And he basically says, look, let's make a deal. I'll take you to Copenhagen if you come to my house and let me shampoo your hair. And she was pretty desperate for a ride at this point. So she agreed and went to his house. And when she got let's there... We can't blame her, by the way. I just want to say, like, you can't say it's her fault. Like, if... So I mean... Back in those days, it was a normal thing to hitchhike. Oh yeah, this you know? is the early '80s, '70s hitchhiking is. And if very some much. guy is just willing to wash your hair, I, some people's first thought just like this guy wants, you know, he's a cosmetology student, as Luigi should have been, and she's like, he just wants to practice, you know. So I'm just saying, let's not blame the victim in this circumstance. Yeah, like, exactly. It was the '70s. I get it. People were a lot more trusting <laughs> back then. <laughs> Yeah, And so she agrees. She goes to his house and Luigi starts shampooing her hair pretty much as soon as she gets there. And this is where the story actually gets split in two different directions. So there is mm. not a lot about this case online, 
very few resources, but in the ones I did find, there were actually two varied versions of this story. There's the one that I found most often, which was being told on all the news articles about this story. And there was another version, which was the one he actually gave at his hearing, where he gave a full confession of the state of all these things that happened. So I'm going to be sticking mostly to what his testimony was, but I will also be giving you guys what the uh, news story is and what most people believe happened. But at the end of the day, only two people were there. Only two people will ever know what actually happened, but I'll try my best to make it as accurate as possible. So Luigi Longhi was shampooing her hair for a really long time, like over and over again. And eventually Heike said, I want to leave. And that's when Longhi gets out this rope and he ties her to the chair that she's sitting on. He binds her arms and her ankles and she's trying to hit the ground with her feet uh, to signal to someone below them that there's something going on, but he just wouldn't let her go. He just wanted to continue shampooing her hair. And he's sitting there and he's shampooing her hair for so long that he literally runs out of shampoo. And that's when he starts to grab random <sighs> items from his kitchen and he starts using honey as like a type of shampoo. He uses salad dressing mm. and puts in her hair and cottage cheese. And he is literally shampooing her hair with cheese and honey for oh. hours. And at this point, he has her gagged with a napkin. And she's trying to escape, but every time she's escaping, it only leads to him being increasingly aggressive because he just wants to shampoo her hair and eventually after she struggles enough he unties her and forces her onto his mattress and then he hog ties her which is basically i believe like when you tie someone's uh it's like when you make someone's head go closer to their feet it's like a long tie uh and he also tied a super tight loop with rope around her neck and it was so tight that, like, when she moved, it would start to suffocate her. So, eventually, she's thinking, how the hell can I get out of this situation? Like, clearly, this person is freaking insane. So, she tells him that she really has to go to the bathroom, and he agrees to let her go. So, he undoes the hog, he undoes the hog tie, but he still has the rope around her neck, and he goes with her to the bathroom, and that's when she makes her, like, play for escape. She starts screaming at the top of her lungs, trying to see if anyone is around anyone can hear her in this building to help her and she's screaming for help and that's when luigi luigi longi grabs the rope the end of the rope that's not tied around her neck and he starts pulling and he pulls until she stops screaming and then he goes into the bathroom he hog ties her again and that's when he realizes that she isn't breathing anymore and that's basically the story that he told is that he was aggressively shampooing her hair with all these random household items she's screaming she's trying to get out he's gagging her tying her up and then by accident he kills her as she's trying to escape but i just want to point out some things that really don't add up in luigi longi's story <laughs> so and also tell you guys some things that happen in the other version of these events so some people believe that heike may have actually fallen asleep and luigi also uh, as they were doing the shampooing because it was very relaxing. And then after she woke up that she may have wanted to leave and that's when he became aggressive. And some people also believe that the first time that he tied her up, that he also tied like a noose-like knot around her neck and that as she was trying to escape, uh, he pulled hard enough that she was killed. 
so that she was only tied up the one time instead of the two times that Luigi Long he testified to. And another really odd thing. So when when Heike died, she was not wearing her clothes. So Luigi Longhi's explanation for this was that because he his big argument also when this goes to trial is that it was not uh, it was not in a way sexually assaulting her and that this was his fetish, but nothing about it would be sexual assault to her. But when she died, she wasn't wearing any of her clothes. Luigi Longhi said, I after I hogtied her the second time, I realized she was dead. I untied her, took off her clothes, and then retied her up. Why? That doesn't make any sense. I think that is highly unlikely, and he was probably just saying that to make himself seem better and get off with a milder sentence. And I think that it is probably certain that he took her clothes off when she was still struggling to get away because he is a messed up, perverted man murderer. And I really don't think that his version of these events is actually the truth. There's no concrete evidence proving it's not, but it just doesn't make any sense. The shampoo fumes get into his head, bro. Like, I just, it's so, and I was going to mention this earlier, but even the um, fact that he started washing her hair with cheese and stuff, it's like, it's not even about cleaning her hair, which is most, it's just the feeling of some kind of liquid in her hair. And it just, that's so disgusting on so many levels. Like, I I need, I wish I could, like, just see in his brain, like, what about this? Because obviously for, like, the average human being, like, washing someone's hair with cottage cheese and honey is, like, repulsive. Yeah, for disgusting. him, it was, like, that was, like, yeah, was, like, you know, turned him on. And it's just insane to see, like, this is what I mean by, like, I'm kind of not, like, obviously I don't like hearing, well, like, I'm interested in, like, fetish killings because it's just it's another part of like looking into the psychology of like serial killers where it's kind of like, what about this, you know, you know, made them want to do this. Cause it's just so insane. And so, yeah, just the fact that he started washing, he got so desperate to keep going that he started washing with other stuff. Like that is just w- weird. So weird to me. Like it haunts me. Yeah. I also think it's really interesting that in his because his whole defense was a i didn't sexually assault her b it was an accidental killing so it should be manslaughter instead of you know second degree murder or but it's also very interesting to me just thinking about like that he in his fetish filled haze that he's so just like filled with desire by shampooing her hair that he doesn't even like care about the fact that he's obviously strangling her because the thing is even if you're using some type of rope or something like that, it still takes a lot to strangle someone to death. You know, people always talk about the fact that even in shows and things, they talk about the fact that's not accurate because it takes a long time to strangle someone and it takes being really strong. So he would have just had to, the idea of saying this was an accident just doesn't fully make sense to me because yes, maybe he wasn't planning to kill her when she first came to his apartment, but the mm-hmm. idea that he wouldn't have noticed that he was strangling her to death that de- oh yeah, does it, not compute. And it's, and it's not like you get strangled silently. Like you hear choking noises. Like there's no way like he wouldn't be able to hear that. And it's also just a common sense thing where it's like, sir, if you're gonna pull on a noose around someone's neck, like that you tied. Like what else is gonna happen, dude? I you know. 
Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. And that that whole scenario is just terrifying because another thing is that hair fetishism in itself is not violent. But then the fact that something happened in this man... And the thing is, he had shampooed 10 women's hair before this, never killed one of them. None of them had even reported it to the police or anything like that. It was just that this one one time, it, it was slow burn like it was building and building and i think it's kind of interesting because you brought up serial killers that's another thing they say about serial killers is that the more kills that they do the more quickly they want to do it the more intense the longing to do it becomes and i think it might have been a similar thing with luigi longi was that the more and more he did it it was like the more and more intense the fetish became you know yeah and that's why there's also like that um theory i think that they both fell asleep or something because I think yeah. that might have been the difference the thing that kind of snapped because she was basically still there like she wasn't awake to be able to leave right after like the fact that he still kind of had that control over her made him want to keep going so I guess that's what it makes sense so like I said we don't know exactly what happened uh while she was still alive in that apartment but we do know that after her death he decided to put her body in a garbage bag while she was still hogtied and put that bag in the attic space of his building which only pretty much only he could get to through his room and a horribly creepy thing this i'm not kidding i wanted to cry when i heard this because just so disturbing but where her body was sitting was pretty much in his wall right behind where his head would rest at it, when he was laying in his bed. Oh, so her it. body is it. decaying in the wall right behind him for nine months. And nine months later, March 15th, 1982, some people are working on creating apartments in that home. They want to like isolate these apartments. And they notice a smell coming from the attic of that of the home wait so did he move out at that point or no no he he didn't move out like at all oh he was still there nine months later Ugh. Ugh. so all right they they notice the smell coming from the attic so all these people who are working in the house are like carpenters they go up to the attic mm-hmm. they open it and they see this trash bag and when they see they see mm-hmm. in the trash bag is a woman hogtied naked and they could make out the fact that this was true because her body was surprisingly well preserved and interesting the smell though was like unbearable to them so they call the police and an autopsy is done that night because the police are trying to find out who she is before her body decays further but the police had no idea where to begin the only thing that they had was she had been wearing a gold armband and a silver ring that night and so that's mm. the only pieces of evidence they had. They found no matches to what they believed. They believed she was a blonde woman in her 20s, about 5'5". Five five. And they found... Oh my gosh, literally me. <laughs> but uh, they found no... Uh, uh. They found no matches for missing women that matched what they thought she looked like in Denmark. And mm. since, like I said, this town is only... It's like less than a mile from the German border. They also get the German police to check their missing persons list. But nobody's able to identify her. Because, like we talked about earlier, she was traveling. She was a hitchhiker. So, police then realized that they'd actually been to the same apartment a, a few months earlier. And they'd even opened that attic before. But they hadn't noticed anything. They hadn't noticed a smell. They hadn't seen the body. So, that was what led the police in denmark to assume okay this body hasn't been here for too long there's a chance Mm. we could still find this person and that's when they noticed that pretty much only one tenant had access to the attic space from their room 
Luigi Longhi. And then they also began to think, <sighs> why didn't he complain about the smell? Because when these carpenters and people went into the rooms that were even close to the attic, they were saying the smell is just unbearable. Like it is unbearable. So they're thinking, why didn't he complain? Mm-hmm. So by the next day, literally one day after they found her body, they have Luigi Longhi in custody. And after a few hours of questioning, he cracks and admits the murder. And then he goes on tape explaining <sighs> literally everything. And he claimed in court, obviously, that her murder was accidental. He had never had the intention. He never meant to hurt her. But the court also looked back at his stay in previous mental institutions, how he had threatened women with knives, how he had forcefully washed hair. They took all this into consideration. And in Denmark, they ruled that he should go to this mental institution for the rest of his life because he was an unpredictable danger to the public. It's what he deserves. And it's what he deserves. It, that's pretty much the end of that of that case in terms of all the information there is on it. It's honestly horrifying. But another thing that's even more horrifying is the fact that, like, on another episode, I want to cover this, but there's also a guy named uh, Danilo Restivo, who I'm going to cover on another episode soon, but he is basically... That's a wrestler the, name. <laughs> he's all, another Italian guy who also was arrested for two murders related to hair fetishism. Maybe it's an Italian thing. You know, <laughs> I... We should check on that country. Well, after this whole um, thing blows over, but I say once we're freed, we should check on Italy. Just ask if they're okay. Literally one of my favorite places in the entire world. It is, I was fortunate enough to go there. I went there after having read a couple books about Italian serial killers and Italian police forces and Monster so Florence. on and so forth. Yes. My worst nightmare. Yeah, that is your worst nightmare. Uncaught still, I technically. I hate him so much, but Emma forced me to be on the episode about him, and I still think about it on my darkest nights. I went to Italy, and I saw a documentary about Monster of Florence playing on the TV, and I was, my little true crime heart wanted to watch it so bad, but alas, it was in Italian. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's just, it was another guy, his name is uh, Danilo Restivo, he, in England, he murdered two women and cut off their hair for sexual pleasure. So that's who I thought. When you first came up to me and you were like, I heard this crazy case about this guy who killed this woman uh, because he wanted to shampoo her hair. I thought that we were talking about, and then you were like, he's this guy named Luigi Longhi and I just recognized like Italian name. And I thought that Mm -hmm. you were talking about this other guy. Then I start looking up because I knew that one of the victims names from that case, her name is Heather Barnett. So I look up her name and I start researching this guy and then I'm like, this is another hair fetish killer. Mm-hmm. Like a totally different one. Which is very you, weird. Facebook, there's a whole Facebook group waiting to happen, dude. It's a it's a whole there's a whole lot of them. It's just it's an Italian thing. Mwah. It's just crazy to see the ways that this like because obviously a lot of people have the fetish of like pulling hair and stuff like that. That's kind of normal. Yeah, people know yeah, about yeah. that. But then you see these fetishes get taken to the violent extreme and it just makes you cringe because you're like, he really washed her hair with cottage cheese and it was so important to him to do that, that he strangled her to death. That's horrifying because that's just so out of the norm. It's so bizarre. This woman Mm -hmm. that he didn't even know. And it's double horrifying because she's only 19 years old. 
you know, that's just. Yeah. And just the idea of just like something that's so uh, disgusting to like everyone else can be something so like important, not important. What's the word? I don't know. Something that's so like desirable, desirable to him, you know? And it's just, it's strange to see that comparison. Cause like, it's almost like when you hear that someone like really gets off on like rubbing cottage cheese in a girl's hair, like it sounds made up. It's just so ridiculous. But, you know, there are people out there. It's, uh, listen, as long as you don't kill the woman, I'm not going to judge you. But this guy's like, took it to that extreme. And it's just also, I think of Heike and, like, what a nightmare scenario that is to trust this yeah. person and be like, well, I'm going to let this weirdo shampoo my hair and then I'm going to get a ride to Copenhagen. And then mm-hmm. he gets violent and there's nothing she can do. You know? And we don't know what he did. It's probably, he may have sexually assaulted her, too, which is just, like... It's horrifying, man. Terrifying. There's so many stories like this that like make me so upset from the 70s where it's just like before we really knew about the dangers of hitchhiking and stuff. And it's all these people that are just, you know, trusting people because it was everyone was very trusting back then. And hitchhiking was just a normal thing. And then all these terrible stories come out of it. And it's just crazy to think about how um, like all the stuff we had to go through in order to learn from that, you know, yeah. like just all the crazy stories that came out of it. There's a John Mulaney bit where he goes, people didn't really start caring about their kids till the 80s. And that's when the milk cartons came out with missing kids on them when they were like, we should probably start looking for some of these guys. <laughs> and it's kind of that that joke about like latchkey kids and all this stuff about how people really, it's strange to imagine. I mean, obviously I was born in 2001. You were born in 2000, right? One, 2000, but like January 2001. So it was yeah. like right on the cusp. So I... It's strange to think about because we haven't grown up in a world where people do stuff like that or where even where it was okay to go out when you were a kid by yourself, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. your parents were hesitant about when Caitlin and I were in like eighth grade, we took the bus to the I I took the bus everywhere because both my parents work. And I wanted Caitlin oh. <laughs> I wanted Caitlin to take the bus with me and her parents were super hesitant about it too. And it's just, I was has I had I had a huge fear of public transportation that I just got over like two years ago or a year ago. Like I had a huge fear of like anything like buses. I was like not gonna ever get in an Uber, you know? Yeah. Like, and it's strange because we grew up in a time where it's extremely paranoid. It's like don't even take public transportation. Just mm-hmm. it's better to just not leave your home. And to even think about it, like <laughs> and here we are. I feel like I'm yeah, true. I feel like I'm very uh I'm not really that scared of stuff. Like, I, I obviously, I have a phobia of being murdered. I feel like that's normal. <laughs> I did used to have a super bad fear of it, but now it's gotten slightly better. Um, but I'm not really scared of many things like that. I would take the bus uh, home, like, from my job. I would walk down uh, the pier and be in downtown late at night after getting off work, and it didn't really scare me that much. But... The idea of hitchhiking, I would never do it. That's, like, the scariest thing in the world to me. Yeah, which is so crazy because it was so normal back then, you know? Like, it was just a thing. It was just a thing you did if you didn't have a ride, you hitchhiked. And, like, now we have the privilege of being scared of things like Ubers, you know? Like, I don't know. very true. Like, obviously, there, there is some kind of risk, but it's, like, I don't know. It's crazy just to see the difference that, the difference in, like, I don't know, from when my our parents were kids to when we're, like, us now. And it makes me think that 
in 10 years we're going to be chipping our kids (laughs) we're already there man we're there i've seen we my mom chipped our cat which i was very against really yeah but my mom chipped our cat and i was just thinking what's next you know they already people already track you know parents like our um my brother he's uh 12 years old and his generation's thing and kind of the beginning of our generation's thing was parents tracking you on their phones. I mean, Life 360, obviously, that wasn't around when we were in like eighth, ninth grade. But uh, now it is. And parents like can track all their kids' whereabouts, where they go every second of the day that they have their phone on them, which is kind of a requirement to be always now. So what's what's next after that? Are Your parents have more control over where you go and what you do now than ever. What's next? We're not allowed to leave our homes? What's next? We're quarantined, huh? I'm really scared that my brother's fish just died. I'm recording in my brother's uh-huh. room right now because he has a carpet and I don't in my room. And his fish is sitting at the bottom of the tank and I'm terrified. Should I tap the glass? Go, he, do it. he will be so upset if his fish died while I was in here. This is, might become a very important podcast episode. Move, you dumb fish. <laughs> oh, he's alive. He's alive. Oh, my gosh. Then why are you harassing him? He's just, trying to, he's just vibing, Emma. Oh, my gosh. I w- just had to look closer. I'm not wearing my glasses. I looked super close, and his little fin was moving. Oh, thank the Lord. I really thought that The podcast is just bubbling him out. He's just not oh vibing with the hair fetish. Buddy, I am so happy that you're alive. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I've never been happier to see that dumb fish swim around in my life. <laughs> oh, okay. You and Jack, you and your little brother rode bikes for like, what, 14 miles the other day? 10 miles? Oh, we did. Okay. <laughs> so we live in the beach town and our town has a pier. And so Jack and I were just, Jack's my little brother. We're sitting at home we're like let's ride our bikes go out for a a little bike ride and so i was like let's go to the pier and i did not realize how far away the pier is and so we got there and it was like you've ridden your bike for six miles and then we realized we had to go back and the wind was against us so yeah it was like 11 or 12 miles by the time we got done with it and I've done that bike ride before once, but I didn't have a watch to tell me how far it was. I just remember being really tired. But yeah, it turned out to be like 11 miles. So that was kind of a a pain. Dude, I'm telling you, (laughs) if I saw that I rode six miles by the time I got to the pier, I would have just been like, I'm living here now. I'm going (laughs) to set up a shelter at the pier. I'm not going home. I would have given up. So, you know, I was impressed. I was kind of shocked and i was happy we did it in the long run because it felt good to like be outside for an hour and you know yeah. bike around but i'm not sure if i'll do it again because it was so <laughs> the way back was so hard because the wind was against us i think i'm just gonna stick to running for maybe for that's now. um maybe that's god's way of telling you to stay in your home just kidding Actually, that's good see that was a joke I know that bike rides and walking and stuff. I've been walking with my family, like in the park and stuff, because I feel like it's good to actually get out of your house at like a safe distance, you know? Yeah, it is. Fresh air is important. I think on this note, we we should transition to my favorite segment of the show. What do you think? Happy things. 
<laughs> Happy thing. That was my that was me prepping for the little sparkly intro music. Amazing. Okay, so wow, it's been an eventful podcast. My brother's fish may have almost died. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. That, um, that was the most. Thank you guys. <laughs> so, Caitlin. On this part of the show, yes. we're going to say one good thing that happened in our week this past week or that's oh, going to happen in our week What has week. happened this week? It's so, It's been a very eventful slash uneventful week. Eventful because I found out that um, I'm basically doing college from home now. So I'm paying 60K for online classes um, for basically the rest of the semester. And so that was pretty eventful, but also uneventful because now that we're quarantined, I've been not doing any, well, I've basically just been at home for like 99% of my day um, when I'm not like, my family is not forcing me to walk around in our neighborhood park or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's been a good break for me, I'd say overall, because I was very overwhelmed with um, moving colleges and stuff. So it was a nice little breather. So I told myself, I was like, I can be, you know what, the quarantine's going to last for a little bit. I can be productive, but this week I'm just going to you know, chill, you know, take, use it as like a break, you know? So uh, my, my happy thing is not probably that insane, but it does excite me. I started season two of Love Island, UK, British Love Island, and it's absolutely insanity love. Like it's absolutely (laughs) bonkers. I am so invested. I, people told me that season two was better than season one. And I think I told, I told you this, Emma, but I don't watch reality TV, but Love Island is, it changed me as a person. You introduced me to it. Yeah. And it's so good because even the narrator doesn't even take them seriously. Like no one takes the contestants seriously. And that's why it's so funny. And so every night I've been binging Love Island and it's amazing because every season is like 40 episodes. So I'm never going to stop. It's always gonna just keep going. That's amazing. So it's it's been good. I that's my happy thing, and it may be the happy thing that I'm most excited about. I'm I'm happy for you. <laughs> thank you. You know, I um I started watching Love Is Blind with Emily, and that show okay, that I, is a crazy show. I Dude. couldn't get into it. I people started the first saying, episode. People are getting engaged by episode two. I heard. Episode two. That's how you know it's a good reality TV show. I, know, I started. I should. I should restart it because I started it and I just could not get into it. Like I. I think I watched twenty minutes of it. I could not get into it. Love is blind. I, took the Bachelor, chewed it up, and spit on it, and said, "Wait <laughs> a whole season for one engagement? Pff, we will have seven engagements by episode six. Shut amazing. up. Amazing." It's I, it is crazy, and they well, get married. They get married in the show. That's I heard. Oh, it's insane. I you know what? Crazy. Here's the thing: why I like reality TV during quarantine. You get to live life without being out there in the world. <laughs> now you can actually know what it feels like. And it's like, oh, you're feeling lonely. No, you. Well, so does Jessica from New Hampshire. You're both lonely now, and you get to. I don't know. I it it gives you a sense of reality, if you will. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I just want to see people ruin their lives on TV, man. What's so wrong with that? No, yeah, I really just watch it for the... Dr- man, it's insane. One of the... um, Shoot, actually, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to spoil season two, but if you guys have something you want to watch over our long quarantine, season two of Love I- British Love Island, it's it will make you laugh, it will make you cry. Um, It's basically what 90% of my tweets are about now, so... 
Love it. Love Get it. Get on that. What about you, Emma? What's your happy thing? Well, my happy thing is not. Uh, my happy thing is. Hmm. You know, I'm gonna have to do another quarantine-related thing. But my happy thing is, uh, I've I saw that in England. I think two days ago, they did this whole thing where they like went outside and everyone went on their porch and clapped for their healthcare workers and like everywhere over London people went outside with their cameras just on their doorstep and you could just hear like the entire city clapping just for their mm. for their nurses and doctors and I thought that was really amazing it like made me want to cry so that was my happy thing from this week and That's just cute. seeing um like my aunt is a nurse in Seattle right now and just seeing all her talk about like her experience with everything I would say it's maybe not a happy thing, but just a hopeful thing is how amazing uh, all the nurses and doctors are being with this whole thing and how hard everyone's working and just seeing like everyone kind of come together and want to uh, just seeing people help other people has been very comforting in this time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's my happy thing. Way to chew up and spit on my happy thing, Emma. <laughs> my happy thing is starting reality TV versus all the um the hopefulness that healthcare workers and c the community gives I'm us sorry. i hate you no yours is funnier though you mine's mine's way too serious but i know i yours is so good i i totally like i feel the same way because my dad's a doctor you know so yeah. it's kind of intense seeing what they're going through and stuff my dad is all crazy constantly on call well my dad just every like oh. everything is just crazy Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just he's like constantly on call now. He still has to go to work and stuff because, you know, he's a doctor. So he has to be in the front lines of all of it. And it's just crazy seeing what they have to go to go through. So, yeah. Big shout out. We love you guys. Thank you, healthcare workers. Thank you, Love Island, too, for helping also helping the little people <laughs> stay entertained and not leave their house. I feel like they're doing their part. Yeah, they are. Just inside. They are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's time to end the episode there. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Horrible Things Podcast. If you want to find us on a day when it's not a Tuesday, you can go ahead and find us at Horrible Things Podcast online. Or you can, uh, yeah, DM me, DM, email, whatever. Contact me if you want someone to talk to. I'm around and quarantining. So, yeah, just remember, uh, keep social distancing. Stay at home. Hope everyone is doing okay. Um we are we all got to be here for each other in this trying time so just know i love you guys very much i very much appreciate you taking time out of your quarantine to listen to this and most importantly i just want to tell you guys to throw out your cottage cheese and remember before you make any rash decisions join a facebook group but most importantly guys don't do horrible horrible things, things. love that zoom sync <laughs>